Welcome to the Porsche Club Insider, your one stop for all things Porsche and PCA. Here's your host, Vu Gwyn, and the Insider Crew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 91. I can't believe it. We are already in December. Where did the time go? We are here at PCA's national headquarters around the table. I have my cohorts, Manny Albin, Damon Lowney, Robert Forsyth on the controls. And we have our YouTube darling, Mr. Nathan Mers, our PCA valuation expert. Hey, Nathan. Good morning, fellow PCA enthusiasts. How are you doing? Thank you for joining oh, us. I'm excellent. So we've had a couple exciting things here as we lead into December. First and, form, first and foremost is look at all the goodies we have, all the sugar. Where did all that stuff come from, Manny? Uh, let's see. One of our listeners, Hal Canetti, I hope I got the last name right. Uh, his family business is Spangler Candy Company. And uh, he said, I want to send you, a, I think I mentioned something at my uh, kids like uh, Necco Wafers. Yeah. Because I say kids, no, my, my son's about going to turn 30 next year um but uh, uh he said i want to send you some send the office some candy and and lo and behold he said 20 pounds of candy <laughs> and uh now you yet yeah, this isn't even 20 pounds yeah what you There's see a, is only, half a box yeah. still in, on the floor and wow i mean i i'm I, dying to try this hawaiian punch uh no, evidently geez. his company said something like 50 percent of the candy cane juice in america are made by his company wow uh, yeah that's very it. cool you ever wonder where candy came uh but oh there's just a, such a huge amount dum-dums um, bit oh honey bit i remember honey. that from back in the day yeah it's uh very cool uh sweethearts candy sweethearts which he told me uh is basically necco wafers just ground up and uh shaped into hearts. right yeah wow well thank you very much uh thank you we'll figure out how to distribute there's a lot of candy here. i don't, I don't so even know if, the if whole you ever seen if you ever see any of this stuff like jelly belly uh candy canes then you know you're buying it from a fellow uh, PCA. Porsche. PCA Person, member, yeah. Porsche enthusiast. Very cool. So I've got something for you guys, sort of a uh, you didn't know that you needed. Can you tell me what this is? And hopefully um, Nathan can see too. Any idea what this is? A uh, quick do. way to get an inspection by the TSA. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you to Jack Murphy, making me realize it's a tool that I didn't know I needed check this out so let's say you need to put a zip tie around something in your car you just slide it in here and and it gives you the perfect strength for and then what's cool is when you click it it cuts it flush and not sharp okay that right. makes it worth it then at first oh. I'm like it just looks like more work to do the same thing no but then you cut it you cut it yeah, and it's flush and it's not sharp isn't it just the same, just to slide it and just take a pair of scissors and cut it? No, because when you cut it with the scissors, typically you cut it at an angle and it creates a sharp edge. So if you do like a wire loom and you're doing a long distance of it, look, it doesn't it doesn't cut you. The tightening part's not worth it, but the cutting, the cutting I, I part. can sort of see how that, yeah. that so, makes sense. Anyways, I think it was like 10 bucks. So now I have a new tool for my toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what have you guys been up to since I've been away? So I went... Uh, the cars and coffee. Of course, uh, last weekend for us was uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Um, not when everyone's listening to it. Um, I guess what I ran into, I was about to leave because I went to go watch my uh, my two sons run a half marathon. Tim Costa. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
I, I asked him to send me pictures of his um, Overlander. He took his uh, Cayenne. Look what he built it into. Oh, nice. Diesel Cayenne. It's this really cool-looking Overlander. I wish I could have stayed and looked at it more, but I was literally – I said my goodbyes. I was walking to my car, and when he came up to me, uh, so I told him we got to get together and have dinner uh, to catch up. But, yeah, pretty look. Plus, it's a diesel. Oh. More desirable Cayennes. Um so I, be, got to, I got to spend. Cool to do a one mile review on I got, that Overlander. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I got to spend a lot of time watching people running. Mm. So Nathan, you can uh, you can appreciate this since you're usually the runner. Um, my daughter ran a five uh, k uh, on the day of, morning of Thanksgiving, and her brothers uh, uh, ran along for moral support. It's the first time she was running a five k, and she first time she ran without stopping the whole way. Nice. So nice. that was a big accomplishment for her. And then my two sons, Derek and Cole, they ran a half marathon. Uh, on what's called an NCR trail, uh-huh. um, which is actually it was only like ten minutes from where uh, the Cars and Coffee is. Um, I see a medal around his neck. Did he place? I think all the finishers. All the finishers. I, don't, I, I, I think okay. having a chance to ask him if he placed in his uh, age group or not. But he usually places pretty high. Yeah, Derek does. He's yeah. um, he did one thirty three, I think, and I think Cole did one fifty five. Nice, which is both very respectable times and, for and a half marathon. You didn't think about maybe joining them for a couple of feet. <laughs> I joined them uh, about ten feet before the finish. <laughs> nice. I actually had to walk about a mile downhill. What the whole time I'm saying I'm going to have to go uphill again back to my car, <laughs> but uh, that was pretty much my uh, my weekend. Cool. And how, nice. Damon, you've been on the road. I haven't seen you. In yeah, yeah. Over I, a week. Um, Went to San Diego for uh, Thanksgiving. Um, we were the plan earlier was I would be out there for work, but work didn't take me out there this year, mm-hmm. so I decided to head out there on my own. Um, and uh, we're with my girlfriend and her daughter as well. And uh, we stayed with my uncle and aunt, and they're the two Porsche people in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and my uncle is actually an Aston Martin person as well. So if you you're watching on YouTube. What you're looking at is a 2014 V8 Vantage um, and a 2007 911 GT3. And he's had both cars, the GT3, for a bit longer. Now he's had the Aston Martin for a year and a half, two years. Um, I saw it for the first time last year. And I drove it for the first time this year and decided to have a little bit of fun and take the camera along and and see what happens. So we're still deciding what we're going to do with this video or if it's going to be published. But Mm -hmm. um, basically, I'm hoping it is uh, what a great pair of cars. And I know this is a Porsche podcast, but if you remember, the Aston Martin came out, uh, the V8 Vantage, originally in the U.S. in 07. And it didn't change much through 2014. I'm sure there are some small things here and there. But for two cars being from basically the same generation coming out out at the, around the same time the Aston Martin can basically keep up with the GT3 um, if you're driving you know 7 8 tenths it feels great and i was kind of surprised because it's almost i think it's 500 pounds heavier mm. um so, so would you say the GT3 is more of a track suit and so I would the say other car is the, more of a The Aston Martin was, the, in some senses, yeah. The Aston Martin was surprisingly easy to get in and just drive and drive really fast. Mm-hmm. But if you hop from the Aston Martin into the GT3, you immediately know, whoa, like this thing's on edge. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would say the Aston Martin's kind of like the quick hit, whereas the GT3, it's going to take a little bit longer to get used to driving it but then you have so much more room to grow into mm. um but yeah really impressed with both cars so so um, i don't know the aston 
market very much mm -hmm. when they were new were they around the same price and yep actually the aston martin when they were new uh were slightly more so i believe the gt3 oh. from 07 was 105 ish mm -hmm. hundred five thousand dollars, and the aston martin was in the hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. and what about in today's now market? it's flipped so yeah. in in a 2014 aston like that one not even an older 07 model can be had for in the 70 to eighty thousand dollar range oh wow um and then a gt3 just looking at the market and really bring a trailer sales in the past year or two in the hundred and twenty to hundred and fifty thousand dollar range. So it's gone up yeah. more than MSRP. That's a nine nine seven point one, right? Yes, a point one. Yeah. And um, you know, it's the question is, you know, if is is it worth it? And I think if you're looking for the performance, not to give away the video, but in a yeah. nutshell, it's it's definitely worth it. You know what you're paying for yeah. with the GT. But I gotta say though, if you're like a a value shopper, yeah. I gotta think that the Aston Martin's a yeah. quite the good Aston deal. Martin is like if you already have a GT3, almost like mm -hmm. if I didn't have my Cayman, you know, or a Porsche, I probably wouldn't buy the Aston first. It would be mm. sort of the just like my uncle did, I guess. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's a so, beautiful car. But yeah, uh, two amazing cars. Wow. How about you, Nathan? I um, I saw that. Uh... Yeah, I was uh, super thrilled. I got um, all four of my kids uh, in town for the holiday, which is quite an achievement because uh, three of the four live out of town. And uh, my son's in the Bay Area. I have a daughter in Montana. And then my youngest daughter was in Hawaii. And uh, I have to confess, Vu, you and I share this uh, frugal nature. So I had priced <laughs> out airfare. Uh, I was being responsible six weeks out, and it was almost $1,600 to fly her home. Wow. And uh, she's an athlete, so she had a very short break. She had to be there through Wednesday and had to be back on Monday. And I thought, well, gosh, $1,600 for three days, and it's a six-hour flight each way. Probably not worth it. And so I called her on Wednesday uh, afternoon, and she looked so sad. She Aww. just looked brokenhearted. And uh, it melted my poor heart. I thought, oh, dang it. I'm going to have to buck up and pay last-minute tickets. So I jumped on Alaska Airline, and, and lo and behold, I guess people hadn't booked as many tickets as they had anticipated because I bought round-trip tickets for five seventy nine. Nice. That's not bad. Good yeah. job. Yeah. Good job, so Dad. She got home on, on Thanksgiving and uh, flew home on Monday. Uh -huh. And, uh, yeah, so everyone was in town. My grandson was there. I, I couldn't have been happier. So for me, I, I sort of did the opposite. Um, this was the first time ever that I did not spend Thanksgiving with my family. Um, Jason has to stay in Utah for his residency. And uh, Justine, uh, Loann, and uh, Jonah, they stayed home. His to, residency? Yes, to uh, take his Utah residency, to keep his Utah residency. You can't leave the state. You only have so many days you can leave in a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So hmm. he couldn't leave. Uh, he will be able to come home uh, for Christmas. And so uh, I, you know, don't feel too bad for me because I had a wonderful opportunity. And, oh, we and, don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to thank uh, my family for allowing me to go, so to speak. Uh, I was able to represent PCA at the Porsche's International President's Meeting, where they brought together over 65 countries um, over 200 folks to talk about everything from, you know, how to grow your, your uh, club to what's going on um, in the future of Porsche. Of course, looking at some hardware that they brought over to Portugal. And it was, as, as you would think, it's an amazing time but um, to see the Porsche content. But it was really cool to see how 
um, how folks kind of look at PCA and what we're doing. We take it for granted oftentimes that we have a lot of opportunities to do fun things and uh, have lots of events in the U.S. and we have such a strong volunteer base in PCA that, uh, you know, that doesn't exist in, in every other um, Porsche club. Um, and uh, guess what, Manny? We even had some uh, PCA insider uh, fans. I don't know if we got a photo there. So shout out to Carrie Mason from Porsche Club Great Britain and Sun Le from Porsche Club of Vietnam. And the youngest Porsche Club that was there was a Porsche Club of Honduras. And um, yeah, it was it was Very really cool. cool, really really cool. Yeah. And they uh, we had a workshop in uh, PCA. Uh, our national president Aaron Ambrosino and vice president um, Ron Gordon presented and sh shared with uh, all these different Porsche clubs sort of how we do things and gave them tips on things that maybe they could take away from PCA and apply it to uh, their clubs, such as the uh, Porsche. Um, PCA Juniors program, um, you know, things that we do with social media. Was the Swedish Porsche Club there? The Swedish Porsche Club. Uh, Did you no. see the email we got? For We've been getting a lot of emails, obviously, for the stickers. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, Dan Bark um, ah. from Sweden, uh, Porsche Club Sweden. They uh, were, listener, they... he said he, uh, uh, he's a member of the Porsche Club Sweden. I thought, huh. I wonder, I'm sure they were, had to have been that. I can tell you, I brought a lot of swag um, for the seminar. So, uh, PCA Insider decals, PCA decals, PCA lanyards, and not not a single thing was left on the table. So, mm -hmm. we definitely had some. Fans. Did you say this one took place this year? It was in Portugal. Portugal. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So, Remember to send the email to podcast at pca.org. Yes. Podcast at pca.org. Charlotte, uh, our manager team. of member services, and I believe um, Megan is doing the mailing. Uh, they will get the stickers out to you. I just, they told me, to, Megan told me she's uh, blown away by how many people, different countries are sending them out internationally. Yeah. So. Yep, and we're, we'll, you know, as, as as we continue to have them and we can, we'll certainly just uh, keep shipping them out. So one of the things I learned, um, I don't know, maybe you, you guys have talked about this before, but they talked about the 2025 sort of long-term strategy of Porsche. And do you know all the three platforms that are going to be the cars for the I, future? I should, um, yeah. if, if you want me to take a guess and maybe be wrong, let's see, it'll be the next Boxster EV platform, um, the 983, I want to say, yeah. but I could be wrong. It's 983. It's 983. Uh, then we have PPE, which would be Tycon, wouldn't it? Or it's JL, JL, JL1. All right, I'll help, I'll help you out, make yeah. it easier for you. Okay. So you mentioned the Porsche sports car platform, which yep. will be the Cayman Boxster. The scalable systems platform, Sport, which would be the Panamera Tycon. Okay. And then the premium platform electric, which is the Macan PPE. And, that's what that'll be the future Macan and Cayenne. And that's new, all electric. All yeah. these are all electric. And then there's the one two door that will be, you know, hybrid, mm -hmm. um, motor and hybrid would be the 911. Is that based on the 983 platform? Um, it's on its own platform. I would think, yeah. I think so it's, it's on its own platform. Well, we'll know it. It's a 992.2. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's still a 992. But yeah, there'll still right. be a, um, oh, I think the lowest model is going to be the gas only, but everything higher. 
The last rumor I heard was the RS yeah. GT2 RS would come in as a hybrid. Yeah. So, and this was the first time I saw something official on a slide being presented to us uh, as part of the scalable systems platform. Sport will be a uh, top tier uh, SUV that is, I think, seven passenger, at least three yeah, rows. That little, uh, about that. that little outline that says new, but yes, no picture of the yes. car. <laughs> I didn't post it on YouTube because I'm not sure I'm supposed to share it, but um, they didn't say it was confidential either. So yeah. anyway, I feel like all cool. this information has been floating around yeah. for quite some time. Yeah. So uh, lots of cool stuff there. Anyways, uh, Nathan, thank you for joining us today and uh, not only you know, being here, but yesterday, as we're recording this on a Wednesday, we dropped what we think is our our holiday present to uh, PCA members and Porsche enthusiasts. So I'll let you take it away. Yeah, it was a ton of fun last night to uh, roll out our new video on the 993. As you know, I'm I'm very passionate about these cars, and so it's fun for me to make these videos where. Uh, essentially, I, I get to get out of my own head. All this ridiculous information lives inside of here somewhere, and to be able to put it out there, uh, maybe it's a little bit like therapy for me. Uh, talk about all the changes with the 993, you know, what to look for, and we talk about a lot of the hotbed topics, the you know, wide body versus narrow body, two-wheel drive versus four-wheel drive, and so on and so forth. So a ton of fun, almost two hours in length. So uh, I'm going to apologize ahead of time for your uh, spouse or significant other. If you're as nerdy as me, this would be excruciatingly painful to watch <laughs> if you did not like cars. Yeah. Well, the fact that you went on for two hours, um, you know, we, we film things here at, at PCA and such. And to create a 15-minute video, we know the hours that goes into it. Um, behind the scenes. So with a two-hour video, how much time did you spend putting that together? You know, I have to give a huge shout-out to my videographer. That's uh, Mike Johnson. He does a fabulous job. He's a, a good friend of mine and, and very talented guy. And, you know, he does all the heavy lifting. So, of course, I get all the credit because I'm the uh, not-so-good-looking face behind the camera. <coughs> but... Uh, he actually does the bulk of the heavy lifting in terms of all the video editing and, and all that work that's behind the scenes. But in terms of actually shooting this video, believe it or not, I do these almost as complete one takes. So this video, I think we only broke it up into four sections. And, and the only four sections we really broke them up is when we actually had to, you know, reposition the cars or reposition sort of the camera, if you will. So there's obviously a break, for example, when you see my car on the ground, and the next thing you know, it's on the lift. Obviously, we took a break to move the cars. Uh, but for the most part, I just prattle on about the cars, and he records. So it's actually pretty efficient. You know, I think our total video time to create this was under three hours. Uh, I shudder to think how many hours of editing he had, but mm -hmm. uh, actual creation time, pretty short. So there are people who... Um, I, I can't remember who's exactly is asked, but people have asked, does he, how does he do that? How much preparation and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, for most knowledgeable people, it would still take, you know, I mean, of course it probably takes some time to gather the cars, but just to prepare what you're going to say, even a knowledgeable person, it might take a bit of time, a day to outline and all that. But I was pretty sure that you have all, if not most of this on the top of your head. And that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, 
I guess good, bad, or indifferent. Like I said, all this information lives in my head, and sometimes <laughs> I need like a, a pressure relief valve that kind of pushes it all out into yeah. the world. Um, whether that's interesting for other people to hear or not, we'll yeah. only find out. But um, yeah, I don't write a script. I mean, I have a general concept of what I want to talk about. And so that's why sometimes if you watch my video closely, you can find an error here or there, or you can find where some people say, oh my gosh, you didn't cover you know, the bolt torque or the finish on this faster. And I'm like, okay, now we're getting a little too yeah. deep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to cover the, the most mm-hmm. important things that you know, are commonly asked about these cars. You know, I'm somewhat blessed in that I, I own these cars. I've owned them for many years. And I also get to work and touch on these cars on a daily basis. So it's, it's kind of what I do. So I'm pretty familiar with what the, the common issues are. You know, most people, when they talk about a given car, maybe the only experience with it is the one that they own. Uh, so I have the advantage of owning them for a long time, but also literally, you know, dozens of these cars go through my hands each year. So pretty so broad based experience. these examples, Nathan, were, did you prep these cars before the video or do, were these already prepared, so to speak, for the video? You know, it's sort of a little bit of a mix. So the yellow car in the video is my personal 993. Mm-hmm. Uh, that car I've, I've owned for quite a while. And that car, I hate to admit, doesn't get a lot of use. So it just, I kind of pulled it out of the corner and I didn't really prep anything on that car for the video. I just knew it would be a good example. So that car was easy. The Zenith Blue C4S, a good friend and client of mine, he just purchased that car from our friends um, in Germany and beautiful car and so when i saw that car i said hey let's feature that car because it's got some unique options uh unique color so that's where that car come from shout out to brooks for bringing that car over and i didn't do anything to the car he brought it to me that in that condition which is wonderful uh the vesuvio car belongs to my dear friend marv angstrom who's the gentleman that helped me film the door check strap video marv so that is his personal 993, a beautiful car. He is a craftsman extraordinaire. He is my go-to body and paint guy. And the level of work and detail, you know, some of the things that I know about these cars, I always have to give credit where credit is due. And anything I know about uh, body, paint, texture, finish, how things are assembled, Marv is my go-to resource. He knows exactly for example we spent some time talking about the overspray pattern on the bottom of the car well of course most people don't care uh, two bits about that but him and i care about that stuff and so when we're working with cars or repairing cars we obsess that they look exactly like they did when they left the factory he knows that information so that's his car and then the the red car in the video belongs to a friend of mine michael robinson and believe it or not, that is my old 993. So that was mm. my 993, oh, probably until 2014, maybe something like that. And that was when I was really heavily in this mindset of changing and modifying every car. And so what was fun about that car is I call it the Renlist Top 20. I was real active on Renlist mm. in that period. And I wanted to just, I'm a firm believer before I tell someone, hey, I think this is a good improvement or not a good improvement, I should try it. So that was kind of my test bed car. So that car probably had, oh gosh, 40 or 50 different changes over its lifetime, some of which are still on the car, some of which are, are now. Uh, so which ones off. were the ones you didn't like? Ooh, that's a good one. I try not to throw anyone under the bus. I mean, a you couple don't have to say ones. Name that, brands, but just uh, yeah, 
a couple of the ones that come up, you know, a lot of people, for example, one of the deficiencies in the 993 is the headlights. And it's predominantly because in the mid-90s when they went to that layback style fender, reflector technology was not what it is today. And so it to me, it's a poor reflector design. And so light output on a 993 is, is subpar. If you take, a, for example, anything earlier than that and you, and you upgrade to an H4 or an H1 lens, it'll radically outperform the 993 headlight. And a lot of people have <clears throat> attempted to do retrofit kits for you know, HID or Lytronics, things like that. And what I've learned, having tried multiple kits, is, it, yeah, it, it seems brighter or the, the, the light is whiter, but ultimately, the beam pattern is still subpar. So that would be something that I'm not a big fan of. Recently, a couple companies have dropped a completely new uh, reflector and housing assembly. And I'll be interested to try those out, although I'm such a purist, I don't care for the aesthetics of them. But I would be interested to see if the light pattern is better. I do a lot of driving at night and at early morning. And so I find my 993 to be quite deficient in that regard compared to some of my earlier 911s. Um, so that's something I'm probably not a big fan of. Um, I've tried several of the upgraded uh, shift type items, short shift kits and, and so on. And I guess I'm turning into a curmudgeon. I think there's somewhat of a reason <laughs> that Porsche has a bit of a longer throw than some of the other manufacturers. And what I find with the short shift kits is sometimes we think, oh, it feels tighter, but ultimately it's higher effort. And so Agreed. I kind of like me too. You nailed it. Yep. the lighter effort of the, the longer throw. And so I'm kind of back to being original, I guess. I, I, it killed me when I hear people just picked up the car and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm sending it to the shop next week to get a short shift kit. And I'll ask them, well, what don't you like about this uh, kit, uh, shifting right now? And they're like, well, uh, it's the short shift gets better. I'm like, have you tried it on any other car? They're like, no. I'm like, I, I would really try it because I have yet to find a short shift kit that I liked. It was just, um, I always tell people when I raced, I had a regular shift shifter on my 964. I never changed the uh, shifter. The feel was perfect, and uh, I didn't have any effect on the performance whatsoever. So, yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I've had in fact, one of the. Oh, the I was going to say, one of the funny things about the uh, 964. The, if you look at a 964 RS, it actually comes from the factory with a longer shift lever. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think the best shifting 964 you'll ever drive is a 964 RS, the Euro version. And uh, if you notice, the actual shift lever is taller and slightly about 15 millimeters uh, cantilever to the left, closer to the driver. And it's a subtle thing, but it's not shorter. It's, in fact, longer. And, they and shift I think they use so the nice. same... Uh... The same amount of leather because it looks actually like it's it looks like it's stretched out more than the stock one. That's how you can tell <laughs> the RS is just like Nathan says, sticks up a little taller. Yeah, I've definitely experienced some. Like my nine nine six when I bought it, it came with an aftermarket shifter that was just so short and so notchy. It was terrible. Oh, I remember that. You remember that? Oh, I hated that. And um, <laughs> I could never find and the then gears. The, and then the the opposite is my uh, Loann's nine eight six Boxster. 
its original shifter was like so far like it felt like i almost hit the radio in first gear and then all the way to the back of the seat um in second gear so what i've done in my cars is i really like the 997 gt3 shifter the mm-hmm. oem shifter and i think it's a nice balance between being you know too short and too high level of an effort but then also not being so far as long as like a mac truck so yeah did Porsche make a short shifter for the 993? Is that an option? Uh, from the factory, no. No, not uh, from the factory. So there's there. You know, I'm not one of those people that says the engineers are absolutely flawless at Porsche, but they are darn good. And yep. so generally, if they don't offer something, there's there's a reason. It's not as if they didn't have the concept that oh, geez, you know, people might like a shorter shift throw. Uh, they certainly offered shorter shift throws on previous generation cars. Uh, but they did not on the 993, uh, the standard versions. Again, the 993 RS has slightly different linkage than the the regular 993. Yeah, yeah and I think you're right. I think the sort of the design and the feel of the car. I, I drove that black uh, 993 Turbo, and you know, driving modern cars, you kind of get used to and have this expectation, and you drive something like that, and you're just like, whoa, that's so far. But then that's sort mm-hmm. of the 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 flair, the characteristic of the car. And, um, and then when you drive someone else that's modified, it's so short, it feels weird to have such a short shifter, yeah. like an S 2000, like shifter in mm-hmm. a nine, nine, three. And it's just like, nah, it doesn't, doesn't follow with the, the personality of the car. Yeah. No. So, uh, many of people that have watched this are of course amazed by your knowledge on nine, nine, three. But the question is, are you, can you do this with other models or how many other models can you go two hours? Maybe it's easier to ask him which models he couldn't do. This yeah, way. that's true. What, yeah, is there one that you couldn't do? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm generally would admit to being a little bit of a lightweight on cars that I have never owned. So I, I would certainly struggle to do this on the Taycan. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. I, not that there's anything wrong with the Taycan. It just doesn't particularly grab me. So I haven't mm. wanted to own one. So, I haven't done a deep dive on a Taycan, nor have I even sold one yet. So hmm. Hmm. Um, I would struggle with that car. Ooh, what else would I struggle with? So I know uh, you are a somewhat recent owner of a 928, but I don't think you were a 928 owner before, what, a couple years ago, a year and a half? Yeah, I've owned my 928 now, I think, going on three years. Three years. Oh, and wow. prior to that, I probably would not have done the 928 series because – and I've, I've said this publicly many times. I was kind of an avowed non-928 person. And I'm, I'm reformed. You know, I've come into my own. I've, you know, some people would say they found Jesus. Well, I found 928. And it, it took me a while. I was kind of resistant. What year is yours? It's a 79. 79, right. And um, a good friend of mine, uh, his name's Leif Johnson, was a factory-trained 928 guy back in period, and, and he's long espoused the value of the early 928. And I dismissed him as a as a crazy crank. <laughs> and so one day he had an early car in his shop, and he asked me to come down and drive the car. And I thought, fine, he's a good friend. I'll assuage him, and then I'll tell him that it's just not for me. And I drove the car, and the angels sang. I drove that car. I literally had tears of joy. Really? And I thought, oh, my God, now I'm going to have to buy another car. And so then I went on a big hunt to find an, an original, manual, interesting uh, 78 or 79. And, and that's what I did. And oh, I've turned that in one of those it. crazy 928 people. It oh. is glorious. 
So um, there's a lot of 928s that you see available for sale, uh, but finding one that it's a manual in those years and in Nathan Murr's condition has mm -hmm. got to be hard. Well, the I will say manual 928s, the early 928s, there were more manuals made. So it's probably easier to find a manual uh, in the early cars, right? I don't know. Nathan? Yeah, absolutely. Early production was about 75% of the cars were manual transmission. As they age, the, the prevalence of the automatic transmission increases uh, significantly. But yeah, the 78 and 79 cars, uh, the vast majority of them are manuals. And the vast majority of them do not have sunroofs. The sunroof did not appear until 79. It wasn't chosen that often. So, you know, my big criteria was I wanted an all original car. I wanted original paint. I wanted an original radio. I wanted no modifications of any kind because I wanted to really understand what this car would have felt like when it came out. And so uh, those were my major criteria. And then I also wanted an interesting color. You know, a lot of them came in black or I wasn't particularly find uh, Mocha Schwartz as an example, particularly compelling to me. So uh, I wanted, you know, apple green or hellblau or petrol blue, so we'll something like that. Uh, mine is hellblau. Oh, I really wanted Pasha interior. Oh, that'd be uh, so cool. Uh, mine has the uh, just uh, black leather, which is fine, but uh, so uh, boring. Uh, <laughs> yeah, jeez, Manny. Uh -huh. This is 2023. We don't shame people anymore. <laughs> You're showing your age, and we do in this show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's a really it's a glorious car, and and it brings me a lot of joy. And funny enough, I drive my 928. Probably, I would say it's my number one most driven Porsche of all the cars that I own. Really? Oh, that's wow. quite a boat of confidence. What surprised me this year, we're parking the cars at the open, PCA Open House, and uh, a 928 came, early 928, and he um, parked between two 991s or two 992s. Um, it looked so tiny. <laughs> it, it's like those pictures that you see early 911s next to like big trucks, and it looks like a toy car. That's what this 928 looked like. Everyone got at it, everyone was staring at it, going, "Wow, that is a very tiny car." And I thought to myself, "I remember back in the days when I first joined PCA, 928s were huge. Yeah. They were big cars, and uh, now suddenly they've become very tiny because 911s have gotten bigger and bigger." Obviously. Yeah, I mean the thing too, I, I always didn't like about the 928, and in my first experience, I worked at a Porsche dealer when I was a teenager. And at that time, we had new 928 S4s on the lot. And I remember driving them. I had a 75 911 at the time. And the car felt um, just very weighty to me in terms of all its inputs and just its feel. And so I think that was the thing that when I drove the, the early car that I noticed is it just feels like it weighs 600 pounds less. Mm -hmm. Now, in all actuality, it doesn't. But it just, it feels light on its feet. And, you know, if you if you think of a, a pendulum between, say, true sports car and true GT, I would always label the, the 928 as true GT, whereas I would take the early 928 and I would actually put it slightly pointing towards sports car. It feels that the Porsche DNA is, is more clearly connected to my true love, which, of course, is air-cooled 911. And do the, the prices um, in today's market reflect that for a 928? You know, uh, they finally got some of the appreciation, I think, that they deserve. Um, and basically with 928s, it seems like the really strong interest is on a few different models. 
So the 78 and 79 sort of have their their fan base. I think partly it's because the original design language, they don't have the rub strips, they don't have the front and rear spoilers, they have the phone dial wheels. They oftentimes come in interesting colors and interesting interiors. And so, yes, those cars, we've seen some record six-figure sales of early 928s. They get fairly soft, you know, in the 80 to 85 range, with exception of if you find a really nice, what we call a twin Dizzy Euro car, which would be twin distributor, 310 horsepower models. Uh, those are quite desirable if you can find one of those. Um, there's certainly a, a, a group of people that are really excited about the 86 and a half car, which of course gets some of the updates of the uh, next car with the S4, but the aesthetics of the earlier car. So that's a nice one. Um, S4s are fairly plentiful, and so they're still fairly soft, particularly in automatics. Uh, a nice S4 manual seems to do fairly well. Uh, in fact, there's a there's an S4 that I sold right there. Uh, it's interesting. Someone pulled that up pretty fast. Nice job, Robert. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. <laughs> That's Robert. <laughs> uh, actually, one of the cars I would like to add, now that I've become a fan, I'd really like a white uh, 928 GT. Ooh. And the reason I want a GT is you don't pay the same premium that you do for a GTS, and I think it's 95% as good. And so if someone out there has a white, uh, my dream would be a white with can-can red. It probably Ooh. doesn't exist. A 928 GT. Straight out of an episode of Miami Vice. Oh. <laughs> the only stuck in my head was, uh, and this was years ago, but Dieter Langenberger, the uh, mm-hmm. uh, museum archivist years ago, he works for VW now, but we were looking at 928s at a Concord field, and uh, I said, uh, well, I guess this is the best, a GTS. And he said, no, he says, uh, I would take a GT. Mm. And I said, but the GTS is the best. It's, you know, the wider hips and whatnot and he was like no but the gt is the one you want and that always stuck in my head hmm. he Did said explain why uh i think it was was it more limited production than the gts um, so if if i the, the 928 and keeping track of those later model years is a little tough but now correct me if i'm wrong nathan but the s4 you could get manual or automatic for a while. And then wasn't it that S4 and the GT were sold side by side? And the S4 was manual, the GT was auto, and then the GTS was sold, and you could get it either transmission. Yeah, I mean, you're you're pretty close to accurate there. Pretty so the close? S4 was okay. always offered as either automatic or manual. Okay. The GT was only a manual. And yes, only the S4 okay. and that the was GT 89, was... 90, was it, or 99? Yeah, early 90s, uh, maybe. 89 like... to 91. 91, okay. okay. Yep. Yeah, so like I would love an 89 because it gets the non-airbag setup. Yeah. Uh, that would so be a GT my gets the manual that you want. Yeah, you could, at the same time, okay. you could, for example, have a 1990 S4 automatic, mm-hmm. but it doesn't get some of the GT improvements, which is a shorter final drive, mm-hmm. uh, some okay. performance enhancements, better wheel fitment, that sort of thing. So, yeah. so can uh, I put you on the spot here, Nathan? Um, you know, a lot of people steer clear of a 928 because the car was so ahead of its time and then you know for years you know value of the car and and you know should something happen to those cars getting them repaired were super expensive like do you have like five things people should look out for if they're they're interested in getting into a 928 yeah i think with 928s it's the same rule i would tell you with any transaxle car which is spend all your money up front buy the absolute best car you can find (laughs) Mm -hmm. and overpay up front because 
Sadly, as the values of these cars slipped, uh, maintenance slipped, and in a typical German car fashion, even when they're in a terrible state of repair, they'll almost always run, quote, right? So almost like, oh, it runs. But nothing is right on the car. And so people think, oh, I'll start going through it and I'll make it right. Well, the, the values are still not high enough. You could ever go through one correctly and, and have any semblance of being right side up in the car. So even my, my 928 that I found, very, very, very nice car. Uh, very well cared for, very well preserved. And I still spent uh, 2x my original entry cost to bring the car up to hmm. the standard I was happy with. And I still have plenty of other, you know, little small aesthetic items I could attend to if I wanted to. Oh. Um, I have decided to keep my car, you know, firmly in the very nice driver category, not the show car you know, category. Mm-hmm. But mechanically, my car is a, you know, 9.9 out of 10. Everything works as it mm-hmm. should. Um, but yeah, you have to go into it saying, I'm doing this as a labor of love and less so, you know, being right side up in the car when I'm all done. Very cool. The maintenance part is what uh, I tell people about Panameras right now. I said we're in that phase where they're going to be, especially with the pricing of cars coming down now, uh, Panameras are going to be sticking out like a sore thumb as an incredible value uh, to, to, to purchase this Porsche that was a lot of times a six-figure car. Um, and people that buy it may not be able to keep up with the maintenance. And Panameras can be very expensive to maintain. Um, more so than a 911. And so you're going to see a lot of deferred maintenance. You're going to see a lot of backyard mm-hmm. maintenance done. And stuff that I've seen on 928s as uh, people that um, bought them because they were cheap and then they had to try to maintain them. Where, like Nathan said, bring it up to the standards, which a lot of people don't do. They just get it enough where it's running and then they leave the other stuff to be. Um, and so, you know, to me, uh, if I was buying a 928, I would uh, the one owner car would be the dream. No. If it was a two-owner car, as long as you had the whole history, that would go a long way. Uh, it's those five, seven, eight-owner cars that I wonder what made them sell it. Was it uh, a big, big uh, maintenance issue yeah. that they didn't want to um, tackle until they passed it to the next guy? It's um, it, it's a shame, but the, uh, I hopefully Panameras don't suffer that same fate. So uh, you're, if you're listening to this on the day that uh, the podcast dropped, uh, this coming Wednesday, we are going to have Nathan on Tech Tactics Live, right, Manny? Yes. So uh, gather your questions and uh, post them uh, on the comments area of YouTube. And, and of course, join us uh, during Tech Tactics Live. And we're kind of go, it's almost like an open mic night with uh with nathan mers and you can ask him any questions about um all, you know your favorite model porsche we're also going to be trying this format on uh Treffin at sea i, I envision this virtual town hall where people are just waiting in line with a piece of paper yeah to ask nathan a question and he's just sitting at the uh at a table uh it could be said it doesn't have to be just for the 993 it can be in anything. any of his uh, model guides and of course, he's good. I'm sure, Nathan, you're going to get the questions of when are you going to come out with a dot 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 model guide? <laughs> yeah, or you're going to get the what's the value of my car that has? Yeah, well, that's yeah, a yeah. given. Yeah, <laughs> the one I'm excited that I saw uh, in an email thread that chain the 914. Mm. The 914, of course, that's the one that I hold near and dear to my heart. I would love to see a Nathan Murr's model guide on that. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we go. The yep. request starts rolling in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, 
Let's throw up the newsletters. Just want to remind you, if you haven't signed up for eBreak News or Mark Fresh News or Performance News, just head over to PCA.org and we'll get you set up. Um, before we get into the news, I would like to talk about a couple of videos that uh, Damon dropped. Uh, one of them was the 981 Cayman, and the second one was the Hot Wheels 944. Uh, yeah, so I'll start with the Hot Wheels 944 just because that video came out a little earlier and it's it's from Rensport. Uh, we had one of our correspondents who was at, at Rensport Union um, 7 uh, had a hook on the designer of this car, the lead Hot Wheels Matchbox designer. And, you know, um, I felt, you know, off-road, safari car, um, people might want to know about this. Now, the views might not say that people really want to know about it, but, um, you know, it's got a solid, I think, just under 2000 and. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy seeing uh, what Patrick Long and Hot Wheels have have built. Um, I will say uh, you, you'll notice that the car stalled once in the video. It actually stalled oh, many, yeah. many, many more times. Yeah. Um, so for those who were commenting about is it a SEMA build for uh, Rensport? Well, if you look at it like that, then yes. Um, they wanted to get it looking good for Rensport. And uh, apparently there's still some more engine tuning to be done um and at some point next year patrick long will be uh actually driving it off road Mm. uh, which i was hoping would have been done for this video but just didn't work out like that but a very cool car cool project um if you go on to mattelcreations.com you should be able to find the car um i wasn't able to Mm. so you might have to look hard but usually there's something that says sold out on a car that was available but i just haven't found it yet but Mm. mattelcreations.com is where you should be able to find it so Um, here's where i'm going to put a plea out for at least i want to say five maybe even eight years we've been trying to connect with hot wheels (laughs) so you know and and i think we do get to a rep or something like that but we would love to do some sort of collaboration a pca Mm -hmm. collaboration with um, a number of Hot Wheels, and and yeah. we don't need a, a, a particular special model, but yeah. we need to do something fun with Hot yeah. Wheels. And if well, anyone I have the lead designer's number, if if anyone's listening, <laughs> please Hot Wheels connect yeah. with us. We we only have a hundred. Let's do a Nathan Murr series. Oh, Nathan can be standing next to the car in his flip flops. I guarantee <laughs> yeah, it'll right? be a hit. Yeah, a little plastic. There's Nathan so with many cool things that we could do with Hot Wheels, <laughs> but. We just need to get some traction. So if you guys are listening out there, can yeah. help us out, let us know. Yeah, well, what about Nathan Murr's action figure? Oh, yes. You know, I think you're going to sell about three copies of those. I'll go to my wife and uh, maybe one of my kids. We, we still are considering caring for the holidays, Nathan Murr's flip-flops. <laughs> to, yeah, right. To go under your Christmas tree. Yeah. And then uh, the Cayman, yeah, the, the 91. Cayman. Exactly. So that was a 2015 model. Um for what you're paying, I think you can get a 981 Cayman. You can find them in the 30s. Maybe not all of them in the $30,000 range are going to be the best, but I think you can find a nice one in the upper 30s and definitely below $50,000 right now. That's a great deal for that car. 275 horsepower. Um, fairly easy to maintain. I'm guessing the 981s haven't changed too much from the 987s. No turbochargers. Uh, they're smaller than a 911 and especially with the Porsche factory sport exhaust, they, they sound amazing. That was a really nice, sweet fluid car to drive. Um, I would, it's my kind of car, you know, uh, PDK, I'd consider it, you know, in something that condition, if I didn't already own a Cayman, um, 
but yeah, racing yellow, nice interior, still feels very modern, and uh, it's a great drive. And don't let PDK, drive PDK before you make a decision on that, because it's a very good transmission. And I bet you would have enjoyed that PDK even more if you were lined up at an autocross or if you were on yes, track. Yes, launch control, although you need sport Chrono. Chrono Package Plus for the launch control, and this one didn't have it. So this is more daily driver spec. Yeah. Um, although I would argue, Damon, I would tell people that the best two cars that I think are best with a PDK, yep. 981 base, because that 2.7-liter mm-hmm. motor in that car is is a little bit torque deficient, and that's really oh, yeah. disguised with the PDK because of its quick mm. shifting. Uh, whereas that car in a manual transmission is a little bit frustrating. I owned one for a while. Glorious motor. Yeah. Uh, but you definitely could get caught out, whereas caught out the PDK gear, sort yeah. of masks that. Particularly, it'll drop three gears like now. So I think that's actually mm-hmm. a better car as a PDK. Mm-hmm. Um, the other car I really like as a PDK is um, any of the, the 997.2 or 991.1 or 2 mm-hmm. uh, turbos, which, of course, that's the only way those ones came other than the, the early 997.2 turbos. But I think it's a better car as a PDK. I'm not one of those people that say all PDKs are, are a bad thing. No. There's some cars I think it's a better car as a PDK. Yeah. And 981 base, better car as a PDK. Well, that's good to know. Um, you know, automatic transmissions with uh, uh, low torque or low power motors, or if they're turbo, I, I feel like automatics and PDKs, they, they mask turbocharging as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely a place for PDK even in a small, lightweight sports car. Like yeah, before the people write in and say it's not an automatic, we know it's a dual clutch. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's easier to say automatic than say dual clutch. Yeah. Well, time. it is an automatic. It's a dual clutch automatic, right? So um, I call it a Porsche exclusive clutch pedal delete package. <laughs> there we go. That's That'll make people. Happy. That's much shorter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So yeah, great car. Highly recommended. If if you're on a budget and you want something a little more modern, um, definitely check out a base 981 Cayman. Um, if you're not just absolutely need horsepower, uh, it's a really really good car. And that what they always say, driving a slow car fast, right? Yeah, and then, and then if you all, as I say, you know, if you have an excuse at the autocross, if you go slow, and then if you go quickly, you it's, can it's a put win-win. it in everybody's face. It's so, a win-win, exactly. exactly. And I guess the, uh, it, obviously, if you're listening to this, it's already out, is the Unstock video. Yes, yep. Uh, we oh, have a, yeah. don't have a list here because it doesn't come out till, uh Saturday. Saturday, yep. Uh, but the uh, summary of the Unstock event will be out, too. Yeah, we hope you liked it. If you haven't seen it, um, go check it out. Yeah, I got to say they did a great job with it. The energy yep. and excitement of the mm-hmm. the event definitely comes through in the video. So, yeah, I yeah. hope you guys enjoy it. Um, in the news, I wanted to start off with what I would consider sad news, but it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, you know, many of you know I like wagons and touring cars, and I think many enthusiasts do as well, but they don't vote for it with their wallet. And um, Sport Turismo uh, wagons for Porsche Panameras are no more. Uh, Manny, you want to talk a little bit more about that? You just talked about it. <laughs> so so what, I'll, what I'll say is, excuse me, I'm one of those people who will be like, build the wagon. Wagons are awesome. Did I buy one? No, you didn't. No, I didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> so... Not a lot of other people. It, um, it did look great. I, I got to admit it, too. I, I love the look of the uh, Sport Turismo mm-hmm. Um yeah, it. Uh, I didn't really understand when they called it a five seater in the back because it really. I mean, it's, it's a very uncomfortable five seater because you but still got. But that legally, big, you can put three people in the back, whereas as long as earlier, the middle person has no legs or very short legs, because they're still the earlier ones were just four 
four passenger cars, right? Yeah, and that's what Panameras are known for. Um, Mm -hmm. But other than uh, that, the looks were great, and uh, I'm sure now people are going to say, oh, I wish they would have kept on making the – the Sport Turismo, that was the best. And so now everyone that owns them. one, bought them. Yeah, everyone right. that owns one, yeah. including uh, uh, Dan Zadra, he bought one a, a few uh, months ago, beautiful, mm-hmm. a Sport Turismo. Yeah. Now he gets to go to Cars and Coffee and listen to people say, this is the best pattern rare they ever <laughs> built. They should have never stopped making it. It's going to be it. rare. They don't make them anymore. It's going to be rare. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of Panameras, uh, at the International Presence Meeting, I don't know if I have the video uh, or some of the photos I took of the new Panamera and uh, Damon, you wrote up uh, quite some details on it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the new Panamera, you you won't mistake it for being anything else. You know, they kept um, the same basic design, four point headlights. Um, you know, a similar grille shape, but with some some changes. And even the rear looks very similar to the second gen. Um, but you will notice they have it's shaped slightly different on the front fascia that there are also bigger uh, air intake grill openings and you'll also notice um, a sort of a thin slit above the license plate that is also to help stuff more air into these slightly more powerful engines um that's a sport design package on it right now what we're looking at uh you know i don't know uh, off the top of my head that's a, a, a turbo e hybrid i don't i believe that probably comes with a whatever sport design yeah. or some sort of, but I don't think that's the package necessarily. Yep. Yep. And, uh, getting to the active suspension management, that is probably the biggest thing they've changed on the car that you wouldn't be able to see unless, um, you're holding a phone, you're connected to it and it's an e-hybrid model and, uh, you tilt the phone and if, if you check out our social media... But or, that was just for demonstration. That's not for public use, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Not, You'll be able to do that, I'm pretty sure. No. no I, I read that. So? I know, no, I read that was just for demonstration. Oh, okay. So for, it's demonstrating from Porsche, what it can from do. Porsche was... Right, right. <laughs> can, yeah. so, can you imagine? Because that's why I read somebody said, don't flip the phone over because we yeah, haven't tested yeah, what so happens. Boom. So, so basically what that uh, uh, demonstration is showing is that in a certain mode... Porsche has developed a suspension for the e-hybrid models, taking advantage of their um, more electrical power with the hybrid battery um, and so on, so on, to use single-chamber air suspension. So they go back from the two-chamber that they're touting on the non-hybrid models. They bring it back to a single-chamber, but then they use the electrical system to operate two hydro- or four hydraulic pumps, which allows you to, just like a lowrider, you know, the car can but lean into the corners. Eliminates body roll. That's yeah. what, it's, what they're doing. So it's not just do. eliminating. Porsche uh, said in their press release that um, if you put it into a certain mode, it will, let's see, when you're accelerating, it'll tilt forward mm-hmm. to keep it flat. So the car will tilt forward. You'll feel like you're flat. Uh, it'll lean into corners, mm-hmm. and it'll tilt backwards when you're braking. So it's not even just quelling or reducing body roll this thing might not have any body roll at all (laughs) that's crazy so um, all i gotta say the video that bogged on created on uh, social media if you haven't seen that they should have a little disclaimer it almost looks (laughs) r-rated well yeah i I think all you gotta do is read the uh, comments and you you can change that r rating at the next rating (laughs) yeah that's uh that was yeah thank you rob for getting that video that was um (laughs) that's that's past uh uh well over a million yeah more over a million see we're trying to get views here on youtube with the hot wheels 944 but you you post the panamera looking doing the dirty and uh (laughs) 
So, but yes, new engines, a little more horsepower, um, new styling, and if you get an e-hybrid model, a uh, a pretty trick suspension system. Those are the main things. The next news item also has to do with a Panamera, but this one is the Sunderwunsch debut in Shanghai. You know, I couldn't find a post or, or reply. Boris had replied to someone, and I didn't. I thought he said that uh, does the exclusive not uh, go all the way to the Panamera? What do you mean? Uh, yeah, because they put on there what, uh, and I don't want to misquote him, but he had a listing on his response about what's covered under Sun. Not Sunder Wunsch, because I think Sunder Wunsch covers everything. Exclusive manufacturer? Maybe the exclusive department? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna find this posting. I was trying to look at it before the show started, um, what his reply would it surprised me as to uh the Panamera was never included in this uh lineup, but it is for this uh this uh Sunder Wunsch that they did a special edition model um of the Panamera. I think it's the first time they've done it. So know, with the So uh, can I make a comment? Because I really had to let put my nose to the screen. Like I know, I think I know what they you're talked say. about how this car is a two-tone vehicle, but the way they took the photos and the colors that they chose, like it's hard to tell it's a two-tone color. Like mm, I kind of get see. like it's more of a, remember like the Bugattis of the day where the center was a little bit different than the rest of the car. But did you guys see the two-tone before you read it? No, I, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I was a little too focused on trying to figure out why the rear end looks a little less handsome than the previous generation. Mm. I mean, you can In see my it here, right? I mean, at least yeah, I can you see can, it. Now you can to, see it. Yeah, to me, when I saw on that side shot, I like you could mistaken that's like a reflection. Yeah, I was going to say reflection. Because it just was wasn't like that much of a contrast. I'm sure it's, it's not as good looking as the two-tone 993, but... Two-tone 993? Yeah. What two tone? Nathan, educate your uh, your friend here about the two tone nine i three. Did I miss that Vesuvio car? Yes, the Vesuvio car. Yeah, I'm gonna argue with you there, Manny. I don't know if it's two tone. Oh, because it is two tone. It is two tone. There's two colors on the that Porsche painted it, but not two tone in the sense where it's like old school. Like the top is different from the side. The mirrors, the wing, yeah, the wheels. Because um, it's not, oh yeah, you can't. I mean, there's a light. there's the fine there. You can tell. It's I don't know. Fine. I mean, some could argue the way the photographer took it, it may be a reflection of something. Like I just didn't think it was like that obvious. But maybe yeah. it's not supposed to be that obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that'd be interesting in. is obviously this is designed for a different buyer demographic, and mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting how well that sells in a different market than, for example, in the U.S. domestic market or the European market. Because I, I certainly wouldn't be traveling to Shanghai to buy that car, but. It, it may be a hot seller because a different, you know, buyer demographic. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see how it does for them. I believe they came out with a couple new colors with the Panamera too, to oh, the yeah. palette of uh, Porsche colors too. I'm not aware of that actually. Yeah. Maybe I should have read read the press release a little bit closer. Um, That's surprising because colors? Porsche doesn't care about color. I mean, color is never a thing with Porsche, is it? <laughs> yeah, right. We don't, yeah. No they they, they care about a lot because now, right? there's a lot of profit margin in the uh, PTS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, um, yeah, I think in our Chesapeake chat, they were talking about the different colors when it came out. And I'm pretty sure there was like, uh, two, three, maybe four new colors mm-hmm. that were introduced with this, uh, and then we have the new Renbow, which they're, they're not listed there yet. They will be shortly. Yes. 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 
Um, let's move into events. Uh, you know, we were pretty disappointed that we couldn't host Tech Tactics West this fall, but uh, we are heading into the next year, and we've got Tech Tactics East planned, which will be February 24th and February 25th. Registration opens January 17th, so make sure you stay tuned to um, PCA's eBreak News, or make sure you just check on Motorsports Reg for when you need to sign up. Let's see, what else we got? That's actually, uh, do we have it on there? I thought I put on there the registration date. Uh, January 17th. January 17th, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. And what's this this event that March 1st? Oh, is that for Works Reunion? It's this thing called Works Reunion. We do that in Florida. I know, we but should you, come didn't, down you, to it. you didn't write up that it was Works Reunion. <laughs> what else do we do in March? <laughs> we do a lot of things. You and do actually, a lot you know, of things. That's, that's what was interesting is when we were at the International Presence Meeting, they are like, how do you – like you guys are doing so many events. Like, how do you keep up with it? And, well, there you go. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> yeah, we forget. Barely. But, yeah, March 1st will be Works Reunion Amelia Island. Uh, would love to see you there. We're at the Amelia River Club. Do you know what the – Registration is? opens December 20th. Do we know what the featured car is yet? The featured car, I believe, is the 911 Carrera RS. Okay. The, any of them? Or 73? 73. 73 RS. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then let's That's me a see. pretty um, high stake poker game there. I know. All right, exactly. <laughs> and then we have uh Treffen Wine Country, which I'm sure will sell out, just um the locale. The event is uh April twenty first through the twenty fifth. Now you don't need a Porsche to uh do the tours on this, nope, right? Nope, nope. Many of people actually come. So you to can fly from the east coast if you want to. Yeah. Use a rental car. And this uh, is not just any wine country, this is like original U.S. right Napa Sonoma, Sonoma Napa yep mm -hmm. okay nice. and registration for it opens January 10th. I hadn't thought about that, so we could just do like uh, the local highway down in Baltimore and call that wine country. Yeah, we could, <laughs> couldn't we? Well, well, now, well, now, like in Southern California, Temecula is a wine country. Oh, really? I didn't and know that. Temecula is not what you thought of wine country in the uh, early oh, 2000s. Yeah, that was, uh, oh. I just assumed Northern California. I didn't realize. Just like commuters are getting pushed out of the Bay Area. Oh. Uh, they gotta... but anyways, if you uh, are on the East Coast and you're like, oh, I would love to have a Porsche down there, yep. you can use a rental car. Now, with that said, I would highly look at like uh, Toro or one of the rental car agencies because uh, it's offer. a lot more fun to do or it in Porsches, a Porsche. Porsche's drive program that you can yep. rent the car for a week. Yep. There's mm -hmm. a lot of places you can rent a Porsche from. So this morning, uh, going out to the car, it was 26 degrees, mm -hmm. and uh, many people start putting their cars away. Um, if you live in a warmer climate, congratulations to you because you can enjoy the car all year long, but uh, some of us have to put cars away. So if you're looking to drive enthusiastically, but you don't have the availability of taking your car out of the garage, you might want to check out PCA Sim Racing. Uh, we offer introductory videos of how to get set up. Um, there's lots of racers, I think 700, 750 some racers, and there's all different levels. We have from, you know, true like uh, racing like you would in club race, uh, but you also have EDE um, programs where people take newbies and kind of uh, hold their hands as they get used to uh, driving on a simulator. So check that out. Answer my this question based on a photo I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. um, why does he have a virtual goggles on his head, but a screen in front of him? How does that work? Yeah, you could start yeah. the uh, simulation up uh, with your goggles on, but 
honestly, it's just easier. It's to easier to use your monitor. And also people can watch, right? Well, yeah, people can watch. Um, you can kind of set up and start in all your settings, but when you drive, you put your goggles on so you feel like you're inside the car. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it's pretty advanced. It's pretty cool. All right. Uh, let's see. Anything else before we sign off, folks? I want to give a shout-out to the Baltimore County police officer on 695 on Saturday morning who um, surprised me no. coming up behind me. Yeah. It was nice Uh-oh. enough to uh, not pull me over. <laughs> Not pull you. Over? I was going kind of kind of fast, kind of fast, going to cars and coffee, and uh, uh-huh. I could see this white Tahoe keeping up with me, and yeah. I didn't think anything of it, you know, because <laughs> we're just going with the flow of traffic. Were you in the nine six four? No, I was in the uh, Boxster. Okay, and uh, it was time to move over to take uh, the next interstate to go to cars and coffee. So as I moved over, um, I could see him speeding up, and I yeah. figured, well, I guess he because uh, I was slowing down to make the um, the turn up to eighty three. Did he let you up? Well. He must have not expected me to slow down that much because he went right by me at first, and then uh-huh. he hit his brakes, uh-huh. and we were almost side by side. But I couldn't see his face because I'm so much lower in a boxer, and he was in a Tahoe. Uh, but it was about two seconds. Nice understanding. <laughs> so how fast were you going, Manny? <laughs> I cannot say that publicly. <laughs> Manny's enough, got a heavy right foot. Yeah. But, uh, but enough to where um, I was surprised. He oh came out of nowhere. So thank you if you're listening or you're friends with this person because yeah. he was very cool. And I wasn't going in and out of traffic. Maybe that's why he didn't do anything. Because I was just driving at a high rate of speed. Cruising along in the uh, left lane and uh, did not ruin my cars and coffee. All right. Well, folks, thanks for listening. If you aren't currently a PCA member and own a Porsche, grab that VIN and head over to PCA.org and we'll set you up. Um, If you're looking for your Porsche, check out PCA's test drive program. Again, head over to PCA.org and we can open up some resources to help you find that special Porsche to put on your driveway. Remember to follow our podcast Instagram page to see behind-the-scenes photos and videos. Porsche Club Insider, all one word. You can send us a message at podcast uh, podcast at pca.org. That's where you also send your request for the decals. We love it when you comment. Give us a like. And, of course, please subscribe on our YouTube channel. Uh, Stay in touch with all things PCA. Until next time, stay safe, and we'll catch you down the road. Thank you, Nathan.